0: Welcome to Deprogram, the, the Progressive Program, A Primer to Progressivism, History, Rules, Strategies, and application. To continue to deprogram, we'll begin with the fourth chapter, Preaching Progressives Project, the sixth tactic, Inconsequential Truths. The truth is inconsequential to progressives, the end justify their means. Progressives love to lord over people, they love to preach, shame, threaten, and control, and make them repent. They must create a permanent state of malcontent to spur on their movement. Progressives have fabricated out of whole cloth hundreds of stories to further their Marxist agenda. For example, racism, voter suppression, hate crimes, Charlottesville, Russian collusions, climate change, and so forth. They use these fabricated stories to accuse anyone that doesn't adhere to their ideology of the behavior that they themselves are committing. They use this projected behavior to demean and indict free markets, free societies, and conservatives. Anyone challenging their lies is branded a racist and or a liar. They use a rules for radicals technique known as repeat the lie until the lie is perceived to be the truth. Even after these stories have been debunked, progressives continue to run their narratives. Like children, progressives project their behavior on conservatives. Truth is irrelevant. When progressives display anti-Semitism, they claim conservatives are anti-Semitic, racist, and anti-Muslim to boot. When Fox News shows nightly hilarious videos of CNN and MSNBC parroting coordinated scripted talking points acquired from media matters, Jeff Zucker accuses Fox of following scripts. Notorious for reporting fake news, CNN's Brian Stelter is hosting a fake news special. When Mueller's report exonerated Trump proving Fox News right and progressive networks wrong, Trevor Noah at the Daily News Show accused Fox News of being liars, propagandists, and conspiracy theorists. The progressives have been using illegal immigrants for the past 40 years to win elections, turn red states blue, promote socialism in a one-world order. When Trump suggested shipping the illegal immigrants that the progressives were promoting to their sanctuary cities, the progressives claimed that he was the one using illegals. It's becoming increasingly apparent there's a two-tier justice system. The real criminals in the Russian probe, Hillary, the DNC, DOJ, and FBI, are getting off scot-free while anyone associated with Trump is hunted down and arrested. The progressives, however, claim it's a two-tier system because Manafort will only spend the rest of his life in prison instead of getting the chair for the crime of associating with Trump. Below are just a few examples that expose progressive tactics and the behavior they project on conservatives. George Bernard Shaw said, Beware of false knowledge. It is more dangerous than ignorance. Jonathan Swift said, A lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is putting on its shoes. Let's start with the progressives' favorite accusation that they love to project to suppress debate. Racism. Conservatives should apply Alinsky's tactic, make the enemy live up to its own book of rules, to progressives. Governor of Virginia Ralph Northam, Democrat, won his election by playing the race card. Calling his opponent a racist, and then was discovered to have worn a Klan outfit while in med school. In his mind, he's not a racist; everyone else is. And he has announced he's now going to help Virginia heal from his indiscretions. In typical progressive projection, he's going to make everyone else pay and atone for his sins. Northam is pursuing anti-white privilege, racial reconciliation programs, and is looking into having Virginians pay for reparations to exonerate them for his racism. Virginia State's Attorney Mark Herring, Democrat, was also caught in a separate incident posing in racist photographs. Justice Fairfax, Democrat, recently elected Lieutenant Governor, is embroiled in rape charges. The second-in-command at the DNC, Keith Ellison, now Minnesota's Democratic Attorney General, worships anti-Semitic, racist Louis Farrakhan in the Nation of Islam and has advocated for a black ethnostate. Ellison has been seen at several Antifa events and with top Antifa leader Luis Enrique Marquez. Ellison has also been accused of beating a woman just prior to his election. But all these examples are just Me Too progressive hypocrite Kool-Aid drinking stories for another day. Only conservatives must pay. Angelo Carusin is the president of Media Matters, an organization dedicated to destroying lives and businesses by accusing others of bigotry. This organization is closely associated with the Southern Poverty Law Center and daily puts out calls to boycott and or fire conservatives and media businesses in politics. Recently, it was uncovered by one of their targets, Tucker Carlson of Fox News, that Angelo himself is a bigot who maintained a racist blog in 2005 that attacked transvestites, Japanese, and Jews. In his article, Tranny Paradise, Angelo ridiculed a Bangladeshi who was robbed by transvestites, calling South Asians inherently ugly and poor, and then called the writer of the story a tranny lover. In another post regarding a Japanese coach who sexually abused female players, Angelo advised the victims, lighten up Japs. He then described a Jewish man of being handsome despite his Jewry. Angelo attributed a Jew's political view to his several bags of Jewish gold. In another post, he heaps praise on a Klansman. Fortunately, Angelo got a taste of his own progressive medicine and was forced to resign. Using identity politics and or reverse racism, the progressives have announced that anyone agreeing with conservatism is excusing whiteness. Do people of European heritage need to be excused in their own country? Don Lemon, a black host at CNN, said white men are the biggest terror threat in America. Professor Weinstein of Evergreen College in Washington State was ordered by a left wing mob to leave campus because he was white. When he refused, progressives rioted. Eventually, he was forced to resign. Latino New York City School's Chancellor Richard Carenza is experiencing concept creep and has expanded the war on toxic masculinity to include toxic whiteness. Carinsa has demoted or fired white New York City school executives because of their toxic whiteness and has instructed teachers to focus on black students over white ones. The head of the Women's March in Humboldt County, California, canceled the march because it was too white and symbolized white supremacy, capitalism, and colonialism. In Savannah, Georgia, a press conference for the mayoral race was held and only black people were permitted to attend. Second-generation American Muslim Rashada Tlaib, Democrat Michigan, is a member of the Palestinian American, an anti-Semitic Facebook group that demonizes Jews. Besides wanting to impeach, as she said, the mother president, she made several anti-Semitic remarks on her Facebook page. Second-generation American Puerto Rican Ocasio-Cortez tweeted, White supremacy is often subconscious and clearly our nation has not been inoculated. White supremacy is our nation's original sin. The driving logic of slavery, of native genocide, of Jim Crow, of segregation, of mass incarceration, of send her back. It never went away. It was just dormant. Recent Muslim immigrant Ilhan Omar, Democrat, Minnesota, tweeted that she wanted Allah to help people see the evil doings of Israel. In another tweet she states, Trump's America is an everyday assault. When you were a kid and you were raised in an all-black, all-Muslim environment, nobody really talks to you about identity. You just are. There is freedom in knowing that you are accepted as yourself. Comforted by her past all-black Muslim origins, Ilhan believes Americans shouldn't be afforded the same self-comforting environmental freedoms as she experienced in Somalia. In a speech she proclaimed that America won't be the country of white people, that it was founded on Native American genocide in the backs of black slaves. Soon, it'll be the country of immigrants. As a new arrival, she demands, like so many others, that Americans' demography becomes multicultural. Multicultural, with one exception. White people are no longer welcome in their own country. This is what psychologists call an antecedent antidote where individuals or small groups attempt to rearrange entire environments, such as schools, towns, countries, civilizations, or the world to accommodate their own hedonism. After America saves her from a Kenyan refugee camp, she calls us genocide races and drags her Muslim hatred for Jews and white people to our continent. Is it too much to ask for people that don't like us, who invite themselves to live with us, to at least show us some respect? Are they historically challenged, or are they willfully distorting the facts? One suspects both. Slavery wasn't just indigenous to the U.S. Historically, slavery was prevalent in every corner of the world from ancient times until the mid-1800s. Slavery continued in Ocasio-Cortez's Puerto Rico for over eight years after it was abolished in the U.S. Slavery occurred in Ilhan's Africa, where her ancestors probably captured their own slaves and sold her fellow Africans to slave traders. Slavery wasn't exclusive to black people, but encompassed all races, including whites. America started with white indentured servants, and the first Americans who owned black slaves were black people themselves, like Virginia's Anthony Johnson and Archibald Bate. Black slaveholder William Ellison, Jr. owned 53 slaves and was the largest of 171 slaveholders in South Carolina. In some places, like Ilhan's Africa, slavery still exists. Evidently, the progressives and their recent immigrant recruits, the Squad, feel only America suffer the atrocities of slavery and preach only America must atone by sacrificing their constitution, culture, and way of life. Linda Sassar, when not making anti-Semitic remarks, said Nancy Pelosi is a typical white feminist upholding the patriarchy, doing the dirty work of powerful white men. God forbid the men are upset, no worries, Nancy to the rescue to stroke their egos. Experiencing their own concept creep, the progressive anti-Semitism is now spreading to anti-Muslim, white feminists, and men. Likened to the French Revolution, eventually they'll consume themselves. The crazy anti-Semitic projecting progressive hypocrites are now calling Trump an anti-Semitic. How crazy is that? Trump's daughter, son-in-law, and grandchildren are Jewish. He moved the U.S. consulate to Jerusalem, recognized their sovereignty over the Golden Heights, and has many Jewish friends including Netanyahu and Giuliani. The Israelites display Trump billboards, and according to Pew, their approval rating of Trump is over 80%. The progressives have a lot of chutzpah, accusing Trump of being anti-Semitic after they passed the Boycott, Divestment and Sanction Bill, BDS, to boycott Israel. In 2001, a Pew poll asked, who do you sympathize with more, Israel or Palestine? The results, Republicans 50% Israel, Democrats 38% Israel. The same poll today reports that 79% of Republicans sympathize more with Israel as opposed to only 27% of Democrats. Progressives constantly accuse conservatives of racism, project their behavior on others, and throw anything at the wall to see what sticks. Here's Matt Walsh's blog take. The Democrat Party hates Jews, men, white people, Southerners, and the list goes on. They accuse everyone else of bigotry because they're bigots. They're like a cheating husband who becomes suspicious of the wife he's cheating on. Nothing but projection. All these new charges of racism have the reasonable man asking himself several questions. One, if American and white people are so racist, why are minorities and foreigners breaking through our borders to get in? 2. If they hate white people, why do they come? 3. Why do they hate the white people who founded America's Constitution? 4. Why are first and second generation Americans, foreigners who choose to come to America, intent on being insurgent? 5. Why do they feel they have the right to come here, open our borders, take over our country, and boast about making white people a minority and or extinct in their own country? 6. Why do they continue to repeat the same old critical theory laundry list that they have brought with them, rather than assimilate into the American culture? 7. Are they sent here by other countries as foreign agents to destabilize America? 8. Should we inoculate ourselves from them? 9. Why is it that everyone is free to leave, but no one rushes to the exits? A second concept progressives project is voter suppression. Alinsky's tactic, ridicule as man's most potent weapon, suppresses votes and voices. When conservatives are asked if they'd run for office or join the Trump administration, many declare that they wouldn't expose themselves or their families to the legal scrutiny or harassment that the left would impose on them, the Kavanaugh Effect. Still others won't speak at universities or public forums, go to conservative rallies, talk to pollsters, or wear mega hats for fear of violent reprisals, boycotts, and or excoriation by media outlets and or social media. Like a third world country, anyone associated with, or who knows someone associated with Trump, is suddenly roused from their home, dragged to an Obama court, accused of perjury, jailed, and eventually bankrupted. For example, Manafort, Cohen, Flynn, Stone, among others. The people framing Trump for collusion, James Comey, James Clapper, John Brennan, McCabe, Hillary Clinton, Huma Abedin, Cheryl Mills, among others, were caught red-handed lying to the FBI without consequence. In fact, the FBI gave Hillary, Huma, and Cheryl unconditional amnesty, then destroyed evidence by wiping their computers and phones clean so they wouldn't get in trouble doing it themselves. Two-tier justice system, anyone? Even though the black vote increased by 17% in Georgia during the 2018 gubernatorial election, Stacey Abrams and the progressives claimed voter suppression. To instill fear in future Georgia voters after they lost the election, they called for a boycott of their own state. Although many states implemented voter ID laws to protect against voter fraud, minority voting increased by 11% nationally during the 2018 midterms, Ordinarily, this would dispel any notion that voter ID suppresses voting, but for the progressives, only emotions, not facts, matter. Georgia legislators who voted to stop late-term abortions are also experiencing concept rape. Evidently, late-term abortions are now protected under the progressive agenda. Actors are threatening a boycott, refusing movie production in the state unless legislators reverse their late-term abortion decisions. Progressives wrote the book on voter suppression. The Russian collusion impeach Trump movement is designed to suppress over 63 million votes. Progressives are desperate to equate mega hats with Klan hoods to prevent freedom of thought and expression and to instill fear into conservative voters. It's a for Political correctness, repressive tolerance, and concept creep all rolled into one. Wearing an Obama t-shirt is cool, but wearing a mega hat as justification for vigilante justice like the 13-year-old Covington Catholic kids experienced at the March of Life event. We even have examples of voter suppression in Major League Baseball. Liberal sports writers continue refusing to vote Kurt Schilling, one of the greatest baseball pitchers of our times, into the Hall of Fame because he's a conservative. Progressives haven't moved far from their days of Robert Byrd, the Ku Klux Klan, or Jim Crow roots. They just switched hoods and their target's identity. A third example of the progressive's projection is the Covington kids. After it was exposed that the black Hebrew Israelites antagonized the Covington kids with repulsive name-calling, and after it was exposed that the Native American who confronted them was not diffusing the situation, told them to go back to Europe, invaded the kids' space, had a history of alcoholism and antagonism, previously escaped prison, and wasn't a Vietnam vet, The media did what it always does, cover for the progressives, made heroes out of the liars, and ran with a white privilege narrative. The media has ignored or distorted the violent Antifa free speech shutdowns at Berkeley, Trump rallies, Ferguson, and across the country. Anything other than the progressives' agenda carries an Orwellian stigma of racism, fascism, and white privilege. Progressives' win-win strategy are endless but familiar. The opposition's freedom of expression will be silenced, or they will suffer a beatdown. Still, progressives insist that they aren't the fascist monsters, and a fascist monster is anyone who doesn't adhere to their ideology. A fourth progressive projection is hate crime. Hate crimes is where political correctness and identity politics run amok. Progressives are fighting ghosts, tilting at windmills, fantasizing, romanticizing a diminishing evil, or evil where there is none. No matter how accelerated the progress has been in race relationships during the last 150 years, attention-seeking, self-indulgent, phonies still shout racist where it doesn't exist. There is hardly a city in America with a population over 150,000 where a minority isn't the mayor, police chief, or running for the school board. Yet they yell, white oppression. Garnering attention, pretend revolutionaries dress up in Marxist garb, clutch bullhorns, and parade in the streets yelling, don't choose the side of the oppressor. Demanding rights without responsibility, their only complaint is that daddy is no longer taking care of them, and now they want the government to. Promoting hate crimes fulfills Alinsky's tactic if you push a negative hard and deep enough, it will break through into its counterside. The media continues to report that hate crimes are on the rise, citing alleged hate crimes to prove their narrative. The truth is, they lie. Hate crimes are decreasing. For instance, in California with a diverse population of 40 million people, only 65 hate crimes were committed in 2017, 0.0000016 of 1%, whereas 87 were committed in 1966, 0.0000021 of 1%. This hardly constitutes an epidemic. The truth, however, will not be tolerated. The progressives howl, and their counterparts in the media publish their yellow journalism. Wilford Riley, a black author of the book Hate Crime Hoax, about how the left is selling a fake race war, found virtually all the high-profile hate crimes reported during the past two to three years have been hoaxes. For example, East Michigan, Air Force Academy, Burnt Black Church, Tawana Brawley, Kenyon College, Covington Catholic, and Jesse Smollett, to name a few. The media also falsely reported stories on Duke Lacrosse, Richard Jewell, Ferguson, Kavanaugh, Cambridge Police, Rolling Stones, UVA, Freddie Gray, Eric Gardner, Russian Collusion, BuzzFeed's anti-Trump reports, and on and on. In 2017, a black man was charged for falsifying a racist graffiti incident at Michigan's campus. In 2018, a black woman in New York made up a hateful Trump note story after vandalizing her own car. Riley says the demand for bigots in America greatly exceeds the supply, and the grievance industry is well-funded. Black Lives Matter has over 460,000 social media fans. The self-serving, self-appointed progressive organization overseeing hate groups, the Southern Poverty Law Center, has an active investment endowment of $432 million and takes in 58 to $96 million annually. J.P. Morgan gave $500,000 and George Soros and Apple each gave $1 million to this organization. Race-baiting is a win-win for the progressive ruling class. They're aware that it divides and destroys our nation and are happy to help. Not for good, but for power. Either way, they gain power and advance their Marxist agenda by weakening or overthrowing our government. Conservatives can't grasp the progressive deconstruction reasoning of our constitutional system, which is why they can't defend against it. Progressives don't want power to change our culture. They want to completely change our demography and wipe our culture from existence. If America is so racist, so oppressive, as the left suggests, why are so many people of color breaking down our doors to come here? If America is so racist and oppressive, why are the leftist organizations like the ACLU advocating for the massive infiltration of people of color? Their agenda can only be explained by the fact that they want to dilute America so they can take down our Western civilization. A fifth tactic progressives use to control is social justice. Saul Alinsky's rule, the major premise for tactics, is the development of operations that will maintain a constant pressure upon the opposition, keeps the progressive base ginned up. Progressive politicians love setting their dogs loose to protest, loot, riot, and burn to gin their base up prior to elections, and the social justice crowd loves playing identity politics by spreading hysteria through the black victimhood card. In 2014, to raise revenue for his pet projects, New York City Mayor de Blasio used strong-arm tactics to enforce a steep cigarette tax. When those tactics led to the death of Eric Gardner, he deflected the death as a racist incident to divert attention away from his policies. Affording de Blasio cover, the media once again played the ratio scenario, even though the lead enforcement officer was a black female with two black and one white officers. Also in 2014, Ferguson's Hands Up Don't Shoot was a made-up myth. Michael Brown was shot and killed after he robbed and pummeled a store owner, then later rushed and tried to strip the gun from Officer Wilson. After months of investigation, Loretta Lynch and her DOJ finally had to acquit Officer Wilson. The acquittal didn't matter. The progressive DOJ and media continued to ruin Officer Wilson's life using the myth to employ their vigilante Jim Crow justice. They let their progressive mobs burn down the town to gin up their base before the midterm election and instill fear in anyone who opposed them. To no avail, some business owners hoping to prevent their businesses from being looted and burnt try to show solidarity by displaying Black Lives Matter signs. After making their customary racial accusations, they packed the Ferguson Police Department with minorities, then left town. Capitalizing on the myth of hands up, don't shoot, George Soros sponsored yet another militant Marxist social justice mob, Black Lives Matter, which rioted and burnt small businesses in Ferguson, Boston, Philadelphia, Oakland, New York, Chicago, and other cities throughout America. That was just a prelude of the progressives' plan to gin up their base and regain their power before, during, and after the 2016 presidential election and the 2018 midterm election. More recently, the progressives are using the George Floyd incident and George Soros's Antifa and Black Lives Matter thugs to shut down our economy and gin up racial tensions and identity politics to again gain support before the twenty twenty election. Progressive mayors and politicians are incentivizing Antifa and Black Lives Matter riots to terrorize and promote their reelection. In contrast, in 2019, 89 police officers were killed, and shockingly in 2020, during 48 hours over Memorial Day weekend, 82 people were shot, resulting in 19 deaths in the city of Chicago alone, but there were no protests about either of these cases. Just like the progressive machine controls the teachers' unions, which prevents minorities from receiving a good education, their machine, consisting of city mayors, police chief, and county officials, also control the police unions, which prevents minorities from good law enforcement. In typical fashion, after the progressive policies again cause the problems, the progressive media coalition projects the blame onto Republicans and complains that conservatives are not doing enough to fix the problems they have created. A few rarely mentioned studies shed an interesting light on the notion of racial injustice. A 2014 through 2015 Rutgers University study discovered that black officers were as likely or more likely than white officers to shoot black minorities. In Philadelphia, Obama's Justice Department found that black officers were far more likely to shoot black minorities than white officers. In a 2018 study by the Journal of Trauma and Acute Surgery, after reviewing 1.04 million calls for service over two years in three states, researchers found only 893 incidences of force, or .086% of 1%, 1 in 1,167 of the calls. The study does not indicate whether the force used in these relatively few instances were justified or not. According to a 2020 Wall Street Journal report, from 2017 to 2020, the average number of white-on-black crimes committed each year were 375, 26.7%, while the average number of black-on-white crimes committed each year were 981, 72.3%. According to the 2016 FBI Uniform Crime Report, UCR, more than 90% of the homicides committed against blacks were committed by other blacks, not white supremacists. In 2019, the police made 10 million arrests, which included 1,004 fatal shootings, 0.10%. Of those 1,004 fatal shootings, only 41 of the suspects were unarmed, 0.0004 of 1%. Of the 41 unarmed fatalities, 19 were white, 0.00019 of 1%, and 9 were black, 0.0009 of a percent, barely above absolute zero. We do not know whether the officers involved in the fatal shootings of the nine black suspects were black or white, but the Rutgers and Philadelphia studies found that black officers are more likely than white officers to shoot black suspects. Crime statistics show that blacks committed more than twice as many crimes as whites, including 53% of all murders, 60% of robberies, and 38% of violent crime. This adds more weight to their smaller 13% population, which might lead to the expectation that their rate of unarmed fatalities would be higher, not lower, than that of whites. Although every death is tragic, .00009 of 1% hardly constitutes an epidemic of cop killings, let alone a slaughter of blacks by cops. In fact, the number of unarmed blacks killed by police declined 47% from 2015 to 2019, down from 17 to 9. The slaughter of blacks by cops is another made-up myth used by the Progressive Media Coalition to usher in their fundamental change of America. They are again exploiting another of their made-up myths to defund police departments, replacing them with their militant Marxist organizations like Black Lives Matter and Antifa. These progressive policies are designed to further the destabilization of America and usher in the progressive lawless society. They have already begun exchanging historic Confederate Civil War symbols with militant black symbols. The Robert E. Lee statue comes down in Richmond, Virginia, while the newly named Black Lives Matter Plaza goes up in Washington, D.C. They have also begun replacing free market principles with Marxist redistribution principles. Likened to Jonesville, in Arwellian fashion, the uninformed, Kool Aid drinking, necessary, idiot pod people march blissfully with their hands in the air to their own demise. Surrendering, they have prostrated themselves to the myths of the progressive ruling class gods to emancipate their white guilt. Amazingly, even though the George Floyd incident was caused by a progressive police force, mayor, and governor, the progressive media coalition managed to project the blame onto Trump, Republicans, and conservatives using Alinsky's symbol construction technique. The George Floyd incident in 2020 was a tragedy, and justice will be served. We will never know if that sadistic officer would have reacted the same way if George was white. Regardless, 0.00009 of 1% of black suspects being killed by police does not indicate that blacks are being targeted by white police, nor does it constitute an epidemic like the Progressive Media Coalition wants you to believe. They want their lemmings, their necessary idiots, to riot and march. The Progressive Media Coalition loves to indoctrinate and fan the flames of male content and anarchy by repeatedly spreading total lies. The Progressive Media Coalition is the enemy of the people. Just as they did with Ferguson and the coronavirus, they are using George Floyd to burn and close down our businesses, towns, and cities to gin up support before an election and to stall America's post-coronavirus reopening and recovery and yet another attempt to bring down our system to regain their power. To further assist the anarchy, George Soros has strategically placed AGs throughout America's cities, counties, and states who have eliminated the theft and bond legalities. Under the guise of inequality, entertainers and big tech companies are also aiding in the destruction of hardworking middle class livelihoods, their personal property and culture, by funding and weaponizing the anarchists. Like a giant infomercial, progressive politicians have unleashed Soros's anarchists to promote their reelection. In the rare occasion that an anarchist does get detained, they will immediately be freed without consequence in an endless loop to continue looting, rioting, and burning. These policies will mostly eliminate small businesses paving the way for the global big box stores. It would not be surprising if the progressive ruling class politicians assisted the rioters by letting them use the buses that were brought in during the insurrection to help them escound with their booty. The sociopathic progressive media coalition believes that they are economically, intellectually, and morally superior, that they are the omnipotent arbiters of right, wrong, good, bad, and evil authorized to selectively implement their propaganda in law enforcement, selectivision. For example, when it suits their cause, they declare coronavirus deadly. Then they demand for our own good and human survival that the police arrest anyone who will not lock themselves in their homes and who will not socially distance. When a more opportunistic cause came along, George Floyd, it was perfectly legal for thousands of people to lock arms and cram themselves into small areas to protest, march, riot, and loot. Now when the police try to restore law and order, they must be defunded. What the Progressive Media Coalition does not mention is that every one of these cities that they claim are racist have been run by them for decades, and most of their mayors, police chief, and policemen are black and or minorities. Progressive Marxists and their social justice crowd are all about deconstruction, the spreading of misinformation, misery, and cultural destruction to usher in their Marxist ideology. Like looting, burning, and rioting, progressives love making happy people miserable, and where better to spread misinformation, misery, and cultural destruction than in the America sports arena. One reason that sports united all Americans and was the universal beloved pastime was that sports owners and players promoted themselves as patriots and wrapped themselves in the American flag. Realizing this, progressives used Alinsky's win-win tactics to target, divide, then appropriate the sports culture of mostly white, patriotic American audiences. Football, for example, under the guise of racism, was targeted by the progressive Marxists and led by George Soros' marionettes Roger Goodell, Kaepernick, and the militant Black Lives Matter organization divisively, like children, they have ripped the joy from the sport that brought happiness and united all Americans by hijacking it and turning it into another one of their miserable anti-American protests. This is just another Alinsky ruse. After creating male content, they can promote Marxism under the rubric of hope and change. It's heads they win, tails you lose. At every game, you must pay the Marxists homage and eat their excrement by sitting through another one of their insufferable self-righteous bogus sermons of mythical lies about white oppression and racism in America, or forego a once-loved iconic American game. Either way, these miserable adolescent progressive Marxist goons have stolen another piece of American culture and must be stopped. Extortionists are never satisfied. The more you give, the worse they get. The majority must no longer suffer Marcuse's repressive tolerance. They must stand, be heard, and defend the Republic against this progressive Marxist tyranny. We must reverse the despotism they instill, stand fast, unite, and boycott the Marxist propaganda they propagate. The progressive Marxist must be made aware that we will no longer let them denigrate us or rob us of our dignity, values, and heritage, and that the tyranny and the devastation they inflict on people who speak out against them will no longer be tolerated. Most of these cowards are a disbanded group that know they cannot be individually targeted and hide their treachery behind social media in their mother's basement. This Middle Eastern terrorist tactic allows them to feel secure while they terrorize and destroy the lives of people that do not adhere to their self-serving ideology. Therefore, we must target and take down their leaders who fund and encourage their treacherous behavior. Politicians, corporations, entertainers, sports figures, and individuals funding these thugs who extort individuals and businesses for profit and political gain are as equally culpable under the RICO Act as the thugs extorting the individuals and businesses. The NFL and their players who back this tyranny must get a taste of their own medicine. They must be driven from the field, ostracized, and permanently ruined both socially and financially, as they have done to so many who have stood against their totalitarianism. They have already wrecked the game. We must also boycott any industries that support the suppression of conservative free speech or support radical Marxist organizations that defile our country. For example, Bank of America, PepsiCo, Walmart, Apple, and Comcast have given millions of dollars to weaponize the militant Marxist Black Lives Matters organization. Their support allows these militant organizations to continue to riot, loot, burn, destroy, assault, and terrorize hardworking American taxpayers and entrepreneurs. Industries and individuals supporting these anti-American global progressive Marxist anarchists are either oppressive despotic terrorists themselves or are necessary idiots. Let us use another progressive incident, Charlottesville, to recap the entire classic progressive playbook. Terry McAuliffe, former Virginia governor, and Clinton Bagman went to court to prevent Charlottesville protest in 2017. Demonstrators opposed his Orwellian policies of eradicating historic symbols of the Civil War and U.S. Confederate heritage. The demonstrators were composed of 40% white nationalists and 60% locals, historians, and Confederate heritage supporters. When McCulloch was denied his injunction, he recruited George Soros' militant Antifa group. This organization is well known for their violent, destructive tactics of burning, beating, and shutting down any events that run contrary to the progressive ideology. Much like Soros' progressive Black Lives Matter group, Antifa members have beaten people and destroyed property in Berkeley, Portland, Philadelphia, and other places throughout our country. It did not take a genius to figure out what was going to happen when Antifa arrived in Charlottesville to disrupt what the organizers promised would be a peacefully planned demonstration. McAuliffe's plan went off without a hitch. Despite Antifa's violent history, the media played it beautifully, associating Trump with a white nationalist then blaming the ensuing riots on them. They start with deconstruction. Every thought or writing from the past must be destroyed to propagate the Marxist agenda, in this case eradicating the historic symbols of the Civil War and Confederate heritage. Next, they use identity politics, multiculturalism, and diversity to display fictitious struggles between the victimizer and the victim, the oppressor and the oppressed, to gain moral authority over the demonstrators. They associated all anti-Marxist demonstrators with white nationalists to identify the groups, then divided them against each other. They used critical theory to criticize and destroy the status quo, social rules and norms, to render society meaningless and unworkable, paving the way for the cultural revolution. They used political correctness, racist, and Alinsky tactics to shame the demonstrators into obedience, forcing them to adhere to the policies and principles of the progressive party and to the party line. Using repressive tolerance, they shut down debate and descending voices to silence their opposition, only they have a right to an opinion, because yours is oppressive. Politically correct ideas can only come from progressive Marxists, and all incorrect ideas must be put out of their misery. They used concept creep, recruiting the media, Hollywood, schools, and other institutions to advance their agenda and question the protesters' legitimacy. Historic symbols, books, and thoughts from the past are now targeted and must be destroyed. Everything except the progressive Marxist agenda is racist, white privilege, and oppressive. Only Marxist ideologies will be tolerated. They use racism as a symbol construction to convey their ideas, beliefs, and to strengthen their unity. They use the Antifa organization and all of its resources as the structure with which to operate. Once they unite behind a common symbol, racist, they find a common enemy to unite against, white nationalist. This heightens their awareness to the similarities its members share, as well as what differentiates them from that outside of their organization. Finally, they use direct action, the progressive party, the media, Antifa, to block, disrupt, and shut down the demonstrators' free speech and right of expression. The use of conflict allows the goal of the group to be clearly defined. With an established external antagonist, white nationalist, the community goal is to defeat the enemy. The price of a successful attack was the destruction of American symbolic statues in Civil War history, and the constructive alternative was the Marxist ideology, turning Virginia blue. They used Alinsky's strategy, the Inns Justify the Means, to recruit George Soros' Antifa thugs to destabilize and shut down any point of view that was not aligned with their Marxist ideology. They attacked and undermined our culture, history, constitution, founders, European heritage, and citizens. Adhering to the Alinsky philosophy, they did not worry about the methodology. They did what they had to do to win. As Stalin said, you have to break a few eggs to make an omelet. As Zelinsky said, winner's right history, so you better be a winner. Politics and life are war, and the alternative to a corrupt victory is to go home defeated with your ethical hymen intact. The bottom line is clear. Kick ass, then pretend you were doing the moral thing. Lie, cheat, and steal for victory. If you must lie to win, then lie and win, then lie about your lie. If you must win with brutality, then be brutal and win, and then rewrite history about your brutality. Always cloak your goals in widely agreed-upon American terms that people buy into. Victory is what matters. All history is changeable and changing, and people should ignore the wisdom of the past. Community organizers must be irreverent, mocking and questioning our values and morals using critical theory. The left needs to fight on both the political and cultural levels, and the right is fighting only on the political level. Art, humor, and song are all devices that can be used to influence the American people. The real action is in the enemy's reaction. Even today, the Progressive Media Coalition is still getting mileage from the Charlottesville event and rewriting history about their brutality. They have cloaked their goals in widely agreed-upon American terms like racism that everyone buys into. Not only does progressivism, suppression, oppression, book-burning, and destruction of historical cultural icons get overlooked, but their fascism gets projected onto their victims. Here's a direct quote from what is called Trump's Charlottesville both sides speech. I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. Yet the progressive media coalition keeps falsely reporting that Trump supported the white nationalists and they completely ignore Antifa's progressive Marxist violent aggression. McCullough and George Soros are as much responsible for the murder of Heather Heyer, the girl who was run down in Charlottesville, as James Field Jr., they poured gasoline on the fire, incited a riot by recruiting Antifa, and should be indicted under the RICO Act. McCulloch, along with the Clintons, were under FBI investigation for campaign and foundation violations. Miraculously, after McCulloch paid FBI Director McCabe's wife $750,000 to run for a Virginia Senate seat, all the charges just disappeared. Instead of a McAuliffe investigation, we got a completely fabricated FBI-Trump-Russian collusion investigation.